If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's Monday, April 11th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the Maryland man live tweeting his bout of dysentery. Don't worry, he's okay. Plus, scientists have managed to de-age human skin cells by 30 years. And an implausible NASA artifact was taken back to space this weekend by one of the Axiom Space private astronauts. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. We all laugh at a good Oregon Trail, you have died of dysentery gag, but in reality, dysentery is responsible for about a million deaths around the world each year. In low-income countries especially, it is still very much an issue, and unfortunately, we don't yet have a vaccine for it. But thankfully, scientists are actively working on a vaccine, and in fact, they are in the process of conducting Phase 2C clinical trials at the University of Maryland, Baltimore, right now. And one of the participants has taken the internet along for the ride. Jake Eberts has been tweeting consistent updates about his symptoms ever since ingesting a solution of Shigella, the bacterium that causes dysentery. Back in February and March, Eberts received two vaccines, but he doesn't know if he got the placebo or not. And for the sake of the vaccine's success, I hope that he got the placebo, because Eberts has been experiencing a ton of symptoms. Although the participants were told that about 80% of them would experience symptoms despite some of them being vaccinated, so maybe this is a vaccine-makes-symptoms-more-mild-but-doesn't-eliminate-symptoms situation? I don't know. But if If you can stomach frequent allusions to farting and diarrhea, Ebert's daily Twitter threads are a fascinating inside look at being a quarantined participant in a clinical trial, a perspective we rarely hear from. He's shared how he got involved in the study. Literally, he just saw an Instagram ad from the research team, which they had rather cleverly designed to look like the old-school Oregon Trail, You Have Died of Dysentery Alert. Despite such good marketing, they apparently had trouble recruiting, though. But thanks to Ebert's tweets picking up, they have already recruited a ton more people for the next study. And I mean, I do get why they had trouble recruiting the first go-around. Who wants to be intentionally infected with something that we so strongly associate with certain death? Jake Ebert's and 15 other people, apparently. Here's how Ebert's reassured us. First, they're getting paid. $7,000, to be exact enough to cover rent for the rest of the year, Ebert said. And second, they'll be observed by medical staff round the clock and treated to make sure they don't die or get too sick, mostly through keeping them hydrated. Dehydration is one of the main reasons that people die of dysentery. Antibiotics were generally not administered until day five so that researchers could study immune responses. Now here's a standout tweet from Ebert's from day five of the study, quote, 
Fever slash chills got super ugly around 4 a.m. No diarrhea yet, but Chekhov's diarrhea revolver is now just hanging above me, and every time I fart, I'm pulling the trigger in the world's worst game of Russian roulette. Actually, I will concede that real Russian roulette is probably the world's worst version thereof, but I literally have dysentery right now. I get to be dramatic. End quote. So, yes, expect a lot of bathroom talk. It is a dysentery study, and he's tweeting through it. Now, following that tweet, his blood pressure spiked, and he had a fever of 103. So he was put on an IV and became the first person in the study to go on antibiotics. As I'm recording, it is now day eight of the study, and he seems to be pretty much back to good health, but not yet released. They have to make sure all the shigella is gone from the participants' bodies. The study was also expected to last 11 or 12 days, so he's probably going to be there for a while yet. Now, in addition to being a fascinating and often funny account, Eberts has leveraged his newfound Twitter audience for a few fundraisers, namely one for The Water Project, a U.S.-based charity that provides clean, safe water to sub-Saharan African communities. Ebert's fundraiser has already raised over $21,000. Not bad for a guy already doing his part by voluntarily getting dysentery to help find a vaccine. And if after reading through Ebert's account, you want even more clinical trial participant content, there is a person on TikTok who just recently documented her experience being voluntarily infected with norovirus. Fun! Link to both is in the show notes. Scientists from the Babraham Institute in Cambridge, England, have successfully turned back the clock on human skin cells, essentially de-aging them by 30 years. A bit of context from Eureka Alert, quote, As we age, our cells' ability to function declines, and the genome accumulates markers of aging. Regenerative biology aims to repair or replace cells, including old ones, and one of the most important tools in regenerative biology is our ability to create induced stem cells. This process is a result of several steps, each erasing some of the marks that make cells specialized. In theory, these stem cells have the potential to become any cell type, but scientists aren't yet able to reliably recreate the conditions to redifferentiate stem cells into all cell types. This new method overcomes the problem of entirely erasing cell identity by halting reprogramming part of the way through the process. This allows researchers to find the precise balance between reprogramming cells, making them biologically younger, while still being able to regain their specialized cell function. End quote. And this research is not unprecedented. Shinya Yamanaka won the Nobel Prize for his work turning normal cells with specific functions into stem cells, with that potential to take on any function, but losing its identity in the process. And Yamanaka's process took 50 days. But now, the scientists at the Babraham Institute have shortened the process to just 13 days and figured out how to stop that reprogramming process before the cells become stem cells and thus retain the their skin cell identity and function. Quoting again, researchers looked at multiple measures of cellular age. The first is the epigenetic clock, where chemical tags present throughout the genome indicate age. 
The second is the transcriptome, all the gene readouts produced by the cell. By these two measures, the reprogrammed cells matched the profile of cells that were 30 years younger compared to reference datasets. The potential applications of this technique are dependent on the cells not only appearing younger, but functioning like young cells too. Fibroblasts produce collagen, a molecule found in bones, skin tendons, and ligaments, helping provide structure to tissues and heal wounds. The rejuvenated fibroblast produced more collagen proteins compared to control cells that did not undergo the reprogramming process. End quote. And from The Guardian, researchers also observed that their method had an encouraging effect on other genes linked to age-related diseases and symptoms. These included the APBA2 gene, which is associated with Alzheimer's disease, and the MAF gene, which has a role in the development of cataracts. End quote. Now, moving forward, the researchers will try to apply the same method to other types of human cells and also investigate the safety of the process before getting anywhere close to clinical trials. So this is super early days yet. It's not like some lotion or procedure is going to be on the market later this year or something. But this does represent an important step forward in the regenerative biology field, one that's been picking up more steam than ever in recent years. As the Guardian notes a number of researchers at the Babraham Institute have since left to join Altos Labs, Altos being the startup funded by Silicon Valley billionaires and staffed by several Nobel laureates. Altos Lab is working on similar experience to rejuvenate human cells in order to prevent age-related diseases. Basically, they are on a quest to prolong healthy life, and depending on which of them you ask, maybe even defeat death. So the all-private astronaut crew from Axiom Space's Axe-1 mission are safely on board the International Space Station after blasting off Friday in a SpaceX Crew Dragon craft from the Kennedy Space Center. Michael Lopez-Alegria, Larry Connor, Eitan Steva, and Mark Pathy will stay on the ISS conducting 25 different experiments over the course of the next eight days, some likely involving some kind of connection to Axiom Space's intentions to begin building the first fully commercial space station in 2024. Now, in addition to making history as the first mission without any space agency-affiliated astronauts to go to the ISS, Steva is also returning a little bit of history to space with him. So first, we have to rewind to 2003 and the tragic explosion of the Columbia Space Shuttle. In the wake of the disaster, 82,000 fragments of debris from the shuttle were collected from central Texas to Louisiana and brought back to a NASA hangar in Florida to be investigated. Most were charred and mangled almost beyond recognition. But one delicate item was somehow preserved— a chunk of several pieces of paper, specifically pieces of paper from the flight diary of payload specialist Elon Ramon. Ramon was Israel's first astronaut, and until Friday, the nation's only ever astronaut. But mission specialist Eitan Steva has now joined the ranks and brought that memento of Ramon's with him on the journey. Quoting Mashable, the recovery of the diary sounds like the stuff of folklore. A person with tracking skills derived from ancient hunting practices of indigenous groups discovered the pages two months after the accident, according to Associated Press reports. The notebook had plunged 37 miles to Earth and survived fire, rain, and sun bleaching, lying damp in a San Augustine County, Texas field with other debris. 
Rona Ramon, the astronaut's widow, gave the illegible paper to the Israeli police for forensic analysis. The results of that study were published in the Journal of Forensic Sciences in April 2007, with several images of the items as they were found in the field and information about how bits of paper were matched in the lab. In all, there were eight sides of paper Ramon had written in space with black ink and pencil, six sides of technical notes he wrote before the mission, eight sides of personal notes written before the mission in blue ink, and a few sides of printed technical information, according to the forensic analysis. Among the writings the diary pages contained were a list of topics Ramon intended to discuss during a broadcast, a mention of a card game the astronauts played in their spacesuits right before the launch, and a copy of the Kiddush, a Hebrew blessing uttered during the Sabbath over wine, end quote. In addition to the diary pages, Steva also took with him this weekend the transcript of a song written by one of Ramon's sons and a painting of pages falling from the sky that was done by Ramon's daughter. And Steva's connection to Ramon is not just one of national pride. Ramon was his squadron commander in the Israeli Air Force, and Steva has remained close to Ramon's family ever since. According to Mashable, Steva will continue some of Ramon's work that he started almost 20 years ago on the matter of thunderstorms, and will also continue some of his own Jewish traditions in space, just like Ramon did. Though this crew is the first all-private one going to the ISS, mission pilot Larry Connor emphasized the difference between private astronauts and space tourists, saying in a news conference before the launch, quote, Our feeling is with the space tourists, they'll spend 10 or 15 hours training for 5 to 10 minutes in space. And by the way, that's fine. But in our case, depending on our role, we've spent anywhere from 750 to over 1,000 hours training. End quote. So even though these four men paid $55 million each, except for Lopez Alegria, a retired NASA astronaut and current Axiom Director of Business Development who was selected for the mission, they are being trained extensively and respecting the legacy that they're joining. You know, who's to say yet what good or ill commercial space ventures might bring, but one thing is for sure, it is a whole new world up there. Again. So there's a creepy grandfather clock on the 3rd Street Promenade in Santa Monica, California right now, covered in weird, branchy tentacle things. It's being observed by scientists in white hazmat suits and has been live-streaming on YouTube for several hours at this point. The clock is set to local time, but there's an additional countdown on the clock and digitally added to the stream. And as of recording, there are 18 hours to go on the countdown clock. Also, as I'm typing this, a food vendor just accidentally hit a bump in the background and knocked a bunch of cups off their carts. The people watching as the promenade has gotten busier throughout the day has almost been as intriguing as the clock itself. And while the eerie antique clock, which occasionally glitches and spins and is giving off an otherworldly whooshing and growling sound, is certainly mysterious, it's not quite as mysterious to viewers online as it may be to passers-by. That's because the stream is being hosted by the official Stranger Things YouTube channel. And most people have guessed the countdown will probably end in the release of the full-length trailer for Stranger Things' long-anticipated fourth season, the first half of which is set to premiere on May 27th and the second half on July 1st. 
Now, between 1,000 and 3,000 people have been watching the stream consistently throughout the day, and there's an active chat keeping track of any notable changes. And sometimes the grandfather clock emits puffs of smoke. There seems to be a sort of image appearing as the hands move, and there was some discussion in the chat about an image of Season 1 character Barb appearing somehow earlier in the day. If you're a big Stranger Things fan, it is worth checking out to see what kind of clues you can put together. The biggest one is in the name of the live stream, however, which refers to the clock as the Creel Clock. An earlier teaser for Season 4 featured the seemingly haunted Creel House, which the Duffer Brothers have said will be a super important location in Season 4. Link to Watch the Clock and Sleuth for Yourself is in the show notes. And speaking of new season release dates, it was just announced that Apple TV Plus's For All Mankind Season 3 will debut on June 10th. Now, long-time listeners will know that this was one of my favorite new shows in recent years, at least until Our Flag Means Death came along. And for some reason, For All Mankind never gets promoted or recognized as much as other Apple TV Plus shows, even though it is phenomenally produced and an absolutely exquisite, fascinating, and gripping show. Now, for those of you who are out of the loop, For All Mankind takes place in an alternate timeline in which the Soviet Union beat us to the moon, and therefore, the space race never ended. The show starts in the late 1960s, but jumps ahead throughout its first two seasons, and season three is going to take us all the way into 1995 and much further into space than we've gone before. If you haven't seen it before and don't quite want spoilers, don't click the link in the show notes. Just go watch the show now. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.